0: Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe.
1: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is Mr. John Haig of Anytime Fitness with two locations coming to you from Eau Claire, Wisconsin. John,
2: what's going on, man? How are you today? Day's going well. It's uh snowing in Wisconsin. So I mean it's all right. I'm okay. I <laughs> it's thought, pretty hard for the course for you, I suppose. I thought spring was here, but it's not. Not quite. Not yet. quite yet.
1: Um, but always a beautiful day to be a gym owner in our industry, John. Obviously, we're here to talk anytime. I think most people that listen to this podcast know what anytime is by this point. We don't need to do a tremendous amount of work explaining the business, the franchise, the brand. Um, But what is helpful before we get into strategy and tactics and all of that is to hear a little background on you. Who is John Haig? How did you come to be the owner of these two locations and why did you want to find yourself in the ownership seat?
2: Yeah, so uh, I've been an owner in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, for uh, three years now, just about three years. Mm-hmm. And these clubs were existing clubs before I showed up, so they've been around for you know about ten years before I owned them, before I bought them, and um, you know basically found an opportunity. So before I bought these facilities, I was also working with Anytime uh, in different roles. You know, I was a regional director before I started owning clubs. So I ran a whole bunch of clubs, built some teams. And before that, I started as a club manager. So I ran one facility uh, in Antioch, Illinois. I was working with uh, a great team of people, Mike Langley, Cody Mercado. Shout out to them. You know? uh, they taught me the ways of the gym. So, And they have big dreams, goals, and ambitions to grow and to build and to um, have the business sense to find clubs that were not performing well and make them perform well basically so we did that for a, a number of years um, I was with that team for about four and a half five years uh, and we went from you know I guess one specific sorry about that we went from <laughs> busy one gym car- over life I know it's like leave me alone so sorry about that no worries at all uh, we went from one club, you know, in the, in that span to, I think we built up to about 15 clubs or so within that time period. And um, uh, I went from, you know, running one to running a bunch and building teams and learning how to do that on the PT and membership side of things and everything that's included with that. So it's been a fun journey so far.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and a lot of gym owners, are, most of our audience are gym owners themselves. And so fun journey so far is one way to describe it. A lot of people would say, yes, it's great. It's everything I ever wanted. And also the biggest challenge of my life, one of the most interesting and stressful things I've ever done. Um, And so I'm sure that there have been hurdles and challenges for you along the way. We'll certainly explore that. But for you with these two clubs, like we said, most people know what Anytime Fitness is, but if I'm to walk through your doors today, what's available? right? Because there are a number of different services that you offer. What can I sign up for?
2: Sure. So everybody knows what Anytime is. They know all the standard stuff about Anytime Fitness, but the biggest thing that at least what I'm trying to do in my facilities is is be that coaching club. You know, I want to be that club where members know that they have accountability from start to finish, that they have somebody on their side, a coach to help them and whatever they need to be helped with. If it's accountability, Uh, program design, nutrition, you name it. So that's one of the main things that I like to tell people if I'm on the phone with them, if um, they inquire online for a seven-day trial, whatever it is, I really like to dig in and, and identify how myself and my coaching staff can play a bigger role in their lives. So that's number one. When someone walks through my door, that language is being spoken to them in some fashion to identify what their true goals are, what they need. Now, if they're you know, a big bodybuilder coming in here. They probably don't need me too much besides giving them a high five smack in the butt later, bro, you know, see you back by the the, the squat rack or something, but right. Um, so that's one of the biggest thing is the coaching aspect of services that we provide. And that can be anywhere from a one-on-one environment to a group training environment.
1: Yeah. And, and anytime has really rebranded itself as a coaching facility more so than the the head to head competition with the big boxes right the planet fitness the 24 hours all of these things of course there is still the open gym aspect right the eft revenue is a huge portion of this but yeah with such a renewed focus on things like personal training things like group training and just making sure that we're able to meet people where they are and help them that's where anytime has really differentiated itself at least in the recent years and so give us give us a bit of an idea obviously before we ever have the chance to talk personal training group training and what's going to be the best fit for the lead that we're speaking to we have to get them in the doors in the first place and so Mm -hmm. for you guys what's been success in terms of marketing to to generate
2: leads to walk through the door first and foremost sure so with uh With any time, there's two sets of marketing. They got the corporate side of marketing that they do. They might do like large promos, things of that nature on the corporate side. And um, that's always great. You know, with any time we have the typical join for $1 that a lot of clubs do. And that's usually, you know, in the spring, it's actually coming up on Monday. Uh, Then that's, that goes for about a month. Then the typical January, you know? So that's, it's been a tried and true thing. Uh, I know that, um, they've been talking about going away from that, but the crazy thing is the numbers are good still with a join for $1 campaign. Right. It's very sticky. Yeah. Uh, So on a corporate side of things, they do that. And then locally, you know, it's on us to obviously run promos and things of that nature. Um, I usually consistently always have either a Facebook or Google ad running in the background all the time. And I'll cycle through them to see which one is getting traction. So some of those might be just a standard seven day trial. You know, some people just want to come on in and test this baby out Mm -hmm. for a week and see how it is. So I'll have that one cycle through. Um, I get a lot of traction with that. Honestly, you know, a lot of people like the fact that it's just not an aggressive thing. They can come in and test it out for a week. Like, listen, no strings attached. You love it. Great. If not, no big deal. Like, come on in. Let's take a peek. Obviously you're thinking about working out. Get in here. Let's yeah. figure it out. Is this, this is a place to work out, it turns out. Is this for you or not? Like, what are your goals? Like, how serious are you about it? All right, cool. Then we'll, you know, we'll we'll crush that aspect of things. So the yeah. 70 trials- do you guys handle that in-house or is that outsourced with an agency? I do that in-house. Okay. Yeah. I, I uh, have enough marketing knowledge. I don't know how. i learned over the years to uh, develop ads, put them on Google and Facebook. And um, I would have to say that's one of the largest hurdles hurdles the most the 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 biggest thing i had to educate myself on was marketing yeah and algorithms um
1: i think that's a scary thing for a lot of gym owners is because it's so foreign we find that people either love it and swear by it because they feel like they've cracked the code or avoid it like the plague and realistically (laughs) i mean it's a it's a skill like anything else, it's going to take some time to develop. It's going to take some trial and error. It's going to take, unfortunately, some money and yeah. not having a great ROI before we can develop that skill and generate a little bit better of an ROI down the road. Big time. And, and so you've you've spent the time and, and probably some money along the way to figure this out. Mm-hmm. How successful is it for you now? How many, I guess the, the scoreboard of this is leads in a given month, is that something that you guys track?
2: Yeah, so um, I don't have the numbers up on me, but uh, yeah, when we run like promos and things like that, you know, I'll track it even like just a standard ad, because I don't wanna, I wanna have something running all the time, typically, and I might spend more or less on my ad campaigns in a given month than I do at other months. So typically during the summertime, I'm not cranking up marketing dollars in the summer. <laughs> right Wisconsin's one of those places where you know kind of like New York uh it gets warmer out people are outside getting some cardio in going for hikes they're yep. on the boat they're eating bratwurst here in Wisconsin and drinking beers they're not really thinking about yep. joining a health club um usually in when I start cranking things up it's probably around August September you know school's gonna be sure. back in session for the kids and I know those moms and dads are like time to buckle back down and get back in the gym routine you know so absolutely and so
1: I mean everyone listening knows about the seasonality of fitness and it's it's been a thing for decades right to play devil's advocate here you say you're kind of leaning into that momentum and when people are joining that's when we're putting more money into it have you considered doing the reverse of that and when people aren't thinking about it ramping up money then and then when people are thinking
2: about it pulling it back a little bit yeah so it's kind of funny uh, given uh the time of year and i just completed an expansion of one of my locations Okay. So uh, we double the size of one of my footprints. So actually I'm, I'm about ready to do like a marketing push. We got to join for a dollar starting on Monday, but I'm going to do a, a big marketing campaign um, either Monday or the week after uh, that's focused on training. We, uh, do, we do a lot of groups and stuff, right? Think, so yeah, it, that's a- it's, it's it's springtime right now. So that this is kind of going to be the reverse of so like you, what you talked about where usually Moving into summer, I might not do a three month or uh, you know six week, eight week challenge, whatever, like whatever my campaign is going to be. I might not not do that. Typically, now I would just wait until yep. late summer. That's- so yeah, if we're gonna we're, I'm gonna t- actually test that baby out because I got some things coming up where the timing is correct where I just did an expansion.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a really really important point and one that we shouldn't easily forget. Marketing for a $40 a month open gym client and marketing for a $1,000 a month PT client are vastly, vastly different. Yeah. How have you guys found success in once we have members in, right? They're signed up. How are we steering them towards group or PT or some form of higher ticket membership?
2: <clears throat> so it out, it, it begins at, like right when you talk to them on the phone when they walk through the club, they need to know it's, it's about that language. They need to know that the majority of what you do inside the club is revolved around quote unquote coaching. It's revolved around training. Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta it's speak the expectation language. of it. Right. Correct. They gotta know, like, you gotta, you gotta speak that language, just like you're a coach, you know, you're not training them. So since I used to coach, I used to train people before I started even running clubs way back in the day. And, um, you need to have that verbiage. So they hear that right away. It's whispering in their ear. They hear coaching. They hear they got one-on-one and group and whatever that we do, they're hearing that. So we have an evolution that we bring them through. If I don't close them at point of sale on PT, which I'm going to try to do, if I if I hear the things that they're telling me, you know, like, hey, I, I don't have a game plan. I haven't been here since high school. Uh, my knee hurts, you know, yeah. whatever there's these little tickers that'll come and I'll be like, well, listen, Jim, you need a trainer period. I don't trust you here on your own. And uh, you know, I'll I'll do my thing and, and do it. But if they get past me to where they're like, Oh, you know, whatever, then we have a system where I'll set them up with a consultation with a coach a hangout, talk about some goals. And depending on who they are, I might even give them, you know, a month in the house to test out some of the things that we have. I got no problem with that. You know, mm-hmm. I feel I've had a lot of success when it comes to not worrying about the hard clothes, but more of the soft clothes for people and giving them a test run of what we do versus trying to sell them, you know, six months or 12 months of group or whatever, or even like a a quote unquote 21 day reboot that we do, which they're great. It's, uh, you know, depending on the club, it might be from 90 to 120 bucks for that reboot challenge, not challenge, but just a reboot. Those are fun. But the reality is how about I just hold off a week. I dial that person in with what I think they need from their coach. And also I sell them on a 12 month group training package versus the reboot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, I think that fitness gets this really negative reputation for Used car, sleazy, sell at all costs, sort of mentality. Mm-hmm. and we get so focused on on the metrics of it and improving, squeezing every last dime out of it. But a lot of the time, if we just talk to somebody like they're a human being and if I was trying to sell my mom or sell one of my best friends, how would I treat that person? Right. Probably a little bit different than how I would treat the common lead coming through the door. And that's an issue, right? we should treat them precisely the same. And to your point, a lot of the time that's going to result in a bigger sale, more trust, probably better retention. Mm-hmm. All of these things are going to translate to dollars and cents at the end of the day. It's more of a longer term play than how can
2: I appease short-term metrics? Do you know what I mean? And that's the, yeah, totally hundred percent, you know, and that's one thing I've realized too, when it comes to buy-in of employees and the training of employees mm-hmm is uh, you're never going to have a employee of yours be 100% bought into your company. Never. The most you can expect from a employee is maybe 70% at maximum. Uh, That's just how it is. Like, I own these clubs. So, you know, for all those listening and for you listening, Joe, it's like you can hear there's a difference with how I speak about my facilities because I own them. There's an ownership here, you know, versus having an employee. But at 70%, and if you can teach them these things we're talking about when it comes to just the connection and all that, it's hands down, you know, just don't be that used car salesman, be that person's friend, connect with them, be genuine, and just kind of cut the BS, so to speak, you know?
1: Yeah, spot on. And, and I mean, our whole conversation has been focused on growth, right? How do we go from A to B in a business like this? For you guys, do you think your focus will be more on membership EFT growth? Do you think your focus will be more on PT and group growth? Is it somewhere in the middle or something that we haven't even talked about yet? What does that look like for you guys?
2: Yeah, so it's it's gonna be definitely skewed more towards uh, uh, PT growth. Uh, We got a decent PT revenue here. Uh, The membership, since I've taken over, has, you know, increased really nicely. Um, And my membership goal for the population of people here was uh, roughly 500 active clients, active uh, members per club, which might not seem like a lot for some people, but based on my demographics and the competition, 500 people paying X amount of dollars for just a membership is beautiful. You know, based on metrics and then I want to have, you know, a certain percentage of my personal training, you know, from that, you know, if that's 20, 30% someday it'll happen. But um, PT is definitely the, where all my focus is because if, even though my, my focus is on personal trainings consistently, I'm still going to gain members. Oh yeah if, I, if I'm screaming out to the public about my coaching and what we do people are still going to join here just for a standard membership right so but the focus is on PT and growing that yeah yeah
1: successful businesses in this sort of model and whether it's anytime whether it's snap or or another independent option successful businesses can generate just as much if not more PT revenue than EFT revenue and that can really really help the bottom line and if we're to track it more as like a revenue per member than just how many members do we have that can completely change the perspective on it like when we us as an industry previously it was just how high can we climb that membership count how many bodies can we shove through the door anytime as a franchise and a lot of businesses have followed suit have switched perspective on that and okay maybe we don't need a thousand, two thousand, three thousand members. Maybe we can serve this pocket of people that we have at a far higher level. We're going to charge them for it, right? We're going to ch- value our time and our service, right? But they're going to get better results. We're going to have just as good, if not a better business. Everybody wins in the
2: end. Do you yeah, know what I mean? think about that. Like you're going to have less members, but the average cost per member is triple of yeah. what it would have been. And that's less wear and tear on your equipment that's less people to manage from a less declined cards every single month. You know what I'm saying? Like, Hey, you know, and you got happier members because the majority of them hopefully are training and they're mm-hmm. getting results. They're in these groups. They're making friends or having, you know, barbecue parties with Sim and, Sam and Susie and whoever. I mean, it's just, you want to, uh, it's creating that, uh, community within a community.
1: Spot on. Yep. Yeah. And, and so, one thing that i think is incredibly helpful and like we said most of the people that listen to this are gym owners and they get it um and and it's one thing to talk about all of this in theory yes it's going to work in the long run um but of course there's always going to be challenges and hurdles and fingers crossed man we don't have another pandemic coming down the pipeline but do you anticipate whether it's internally or externally any challenges for you guys when it comes to hitting the metrics and the goals that you're looking to hit? Uh,
2: challenges. Um, when it comes to, the only thing would be, uh, well, the only challenge is basically reaching the people that I need to reach. You know what I mean? Uh, the only challenge is the marketing side of things, I would think. When it comes to like the sales techniques and all that kind of good stuff, like I got that system down on what to do when it comes to when people come in, you know what I mean? And the challenge is, and it hasn't been a challenge in the past. I guess the only issue with me specifically was I didn't have the facilities to, I didn't have the environment to create what I wanted to create, right? So now that my expansions are done, and everything is kind of ramping up now after three yeah, years. The foundation
1: ago. is laid.
2: Now I, what's going Let's go! I know the foundation is laid, and now it's time to, you know, spend thousands of dollars a month on PT marketing and and uh, run some promos and let people know what we do and get them in and just let's see what happens. You yeah. know yeah let's, let's roll the dice a bit
3: right let's see what
2: happens let's yeah. throw a whole bunch of money at it you know i got the system in place let's put some money into marketing and rock and roll man
1: and hopefully that money comes back and, and a little bit more money comes back on the back end <laughs> that's that's, that's really hope. the goal of this it's not just throw it out and pray that it comes back hopefully yeah
2: more well, than and if you're actively you know like with your business and you know other businesses if you're actively you know, online, checking metrics, is are things working? If you're an active owner and you're good at that marketing side of things, and you can make the tweaks when you need to, if things aren't kind of moving in the direction you need to. So you just got to be active with it. That's the kicker, John, is that typically
1: businesses in our industry are phenomenal at the fulfillment side. It's getting people in the doors to the first place. So yeah. I think you're not alone in that. I think every single gym owner listening to this wants to get a bit better and a bit more efficient on the marketing side and it's hard hopefully that this will work for you. So we'll have to check in with you again down the road and and see how this goes. Um, yeah, let me know a good place to to begin to wrap this whole thing up before we sign out of here entirely. Yeah. I want to give you the chance to tell people where they can learn a little bit more about your clubs. Obviously, anytime has corporate website, but do you guys have a
2: specific website or specific social media that people can go to learn about your two clubs? Yeah. So if, uh, if there's people in the area that are curious about Anytime Fitness, um, again, I own the Gulf Road and Birch Street locations in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Um, if, you, if you're on Facebook, we have a Facebook presence. So just type in, you know, Anytime Fitness, Gulf Road or Birch Street, and those will pop up. All the information is on there. Uh, obviously with anytimefitness.com that's the main website that corporate has but then there is a gym locator and you can see my gulf road birth street uh locations on there where they're at where they're located my staffed hours is going to be on there what some offerings are and um like i said we are running that membership promo starting on monday which is super cool so it's joined for a dollar exciting time It's a good time. Yeah, this is a great time for the podcast. So join for a buck. We got a lot of uh, group training things going on, you know, so if you if you need some accountability, you need a coach, you want to have some fun, you finally want to get results. If you want to get away from those fad workouts. That's what we do, man. We have fun here. We kick it into gear. And we get you somewhere. Right. So let's just uh, stop telling yourself no and just give me a call. We'll figure it out. Love that spot
1: on, man. This has been a whole bunch of fun. And John, I really appreciate your perspective and, and your openness when it comes to how you guys are running the operations and the business side of anytime. I can't thank you enough, man. I'm excited to see what the future holds. And like I said, we'll get you back on down the road and, and check in on you.
2: I appreciate that. Thanks for the big for the
1: podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll chat again soon. Appreciate you. Absolutely. To everyone who tuned in today, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always,
0: until next time, Jim Lord's out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode.
4: Welcome to the Gym Lords podcast, where we talk fitness business with fitness business owners who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, owner of My Fitness Answer in Lutz, Florida, Steve Highscale. How are you doing today?
3: Doing great, Dominic.
4: Awesome, man. I'm excited to have you on. Let's just not waste any time. Tell me what My Fitness Answer is all about.
3: Well, my fitness answer is all about um, basically the beginning is just uh, training people and getting them to learn how to do the exercises correctly, nutritional counseling. Um, In my population, the clients range from seven years old all the way up to 97 to superior athletes, to physically challenged people. My main goal is to get the clients to learn how to exercise correctly, do the exercises correctly and teach them uh, proper nutritional uh, diet and eating uh, so that they can do all their stuff on their own and they don't really need me.
4: Awesome. We're going to dive in a little bit more into the details of all that. But first, give us a little bit of history, a little bit of background uh, leading up to this this current incarnation of your business.
3: Okay. So when I was uh, working at a company, I I uh, actually bought a couple of pieces of fitness equipment from a friend of mine. Um, and I worked at this company for about 18 years and he needed another trainer. And he asked me if I wanted to be a personal trainer and I've been exercising for quite like some time from then. And I actually trained with him for a while and I thought, you know, you know what, I'm just going to quit my job and actually go out on a limb and uh, start this new career. And I did. Um, it started out slowly. I only had about 20, 20 hours at the beginning and then uh, beefed it up and I ended up getting up to about 65 hours a week. I was a personal trainer for approximately about a year and then he ended up asking me if I wanted to be a manager. It was a private training studio. Uh, there was only two of us. He was the owner and then I was uh, the manager and uh, head trainer along with him. I stayed there for about approximately five years and decided to go on my own start my own business, uh, that took me a little while, uh, spent a lot of money on uh, building and equipment, probably about around $150,000 of equipment I had at that time, three 600 square foot facility, uh, did that for a while. And then around 2008, um, the, the recession hit, and then I lost probably about half my clients. So one of my clients asked, what should I do to make my income? Uh, just to it, and he said, well, you could do uh, bricklaying or you could be an electrician, and he says, you know, it depends on what job you want, if you want a real man's job, and I got sucked into a bricklayer, <laughs> and so I did that for a while, but I still did personal training at, at night uh, with my athletes and stuff, and then uh, started picking back up. Uh, I ended up actually switching over to being a substation electrician in Ohio, still did the personal training at, at night, while going to school during the day too. And then I ended up moving to, uh, I ended up uh, moving to a different position. Uh, and then I ended up leaving there uh, and then starting my own business over somewhere else. Where it was full-time. It was the same business, but uh, a different location and I got to work full-time there. So I stayed there uh, and then I ended up moving to New Mexico doing um the training also and working in my older position substation electrician until i got back hours and then i ended up moving here in Lutz, florida uh still doing the substation electrician personal training i uh, kind of stopped it just for about six months and then my wife said you should start that back up i did It was probably the smartest move i did because uh new mexico there wasn't as many where i was living at i couldn't get as many clients here, I'm in an area where there's uh, the HOA I'm in. There's a 1,000 houses so around me. There's 5,000. So I ended up starting my own business up, uh, making my own website. Um, I didn't have a website before. Um, well, I actually did, but it wasn't really that good. So I started a new website. And the reason why I wanted to do that is just to uh, have full control of the website I had to do marketing, so it was a long road, but it's it's getting there now. And then, and now I'm doing online training with my app. I'm doing Zoom fitness training, um, either nutritional coaching or training people, or we're just watching them and talking them through the exercises. Um, and along with the personal training that I do here in my studio.
4: So once you once you got the bug, once you started training. Even through uh, you know economic recession, some moves, you stuck with you know the the two jobs the grind and the hustle for a while until until it didn't make sense for you to to do that and you had the opportunity to go full-time as a trainer there once you're in Florida. Um, I know you mentioned the HOA you're in there are a thousand households you have a, a good um, you know, good market right where you are. But even still, uh, a lot of people are, are gun shy or hesitant to run their training business to any to any degree of scale out of their own home. So how did that decision come to play for you in, in doing? I mean, then we're not talking about a one bay garage with two pieces of equipment. we got a, a good size operation there. But still, how did you make that decision to do it there versus go and, and lease or buy a space? To run your
3: business, well, uh, the main thing was uh, the cost of uh, running space. Um, I've had a couple of people come to me and ask me about it. I didn't even ask how much it was, but I know that when I was I had that 3,600 square feet, um, I was paying. I think it was $3,600 a month for leasing the space. So that, on top of the equipment, it was a pretty big nut, the crack, and I was, you know, always worried about it uh it was working for a while but then you know it just it's just something i was worried about so i figured well i can just try it in the garage actually when i did start it here i was just actually doing fitness because i brought some of my equipment from new mexico where i sold a lot of it and then she that's when my wife talked me into it um and then i just realized that it's i'm going to save a lot more money that way i can gradually build up if i want to move it out of here i can uh but right now i wanted to get my feet planted um and then so that i'm at now there's a thousand houses but i don't have as many people as what i thought i'd get here because uh they still really don't know about me that much some of them do plus there's a high level uh country club that has a fitness facility that has like probably six trainers there too so i've had people come as far as probably 40 miles four days a week i have one guy that trains only six days a week he's not that far away from me but most people are two to four days a week, and they travel anywhere from probably, I'd say five miles is the closest closest range, except for the people that live here, to the 40 miles away. So, they come here, they value the the trainings, they see what they're learning over the other trainers that they've had in the past, and I just had a guy on Zoom Fitness today that just actually just got ripped off, I'm pretty sure, for the whole last year, because he was just completely exercising wrong. Oh, man.
4: Uh, yeah, that's uh, that can be heartbreaking for sure. So a couple of things uh, I want to make sure that I'm hearing right and and kind of to, to summarize. One is you really you mitigated your risk. You bought or or rented or bought. You, you know, you come into this house where you've got space. It's already, you know, um, you know, within your budget, within your means to have it. And so the risk is pretty low. You don't have to go out and sign a lease. You don't have this big overhead. And that's possible because your style of training is primarily one-on-one personal training. So you don't need three, four, five thousand 5,000 square feet to have big groups, to have all these things. It's It really allows you to execute what you do still at a very high level without needing a large footprint. So not a lot of compromise there also.
3: Correct. Yeah, and then we, we train anywhere from one to three people at a time. So when we do three... My wife joins in, and we, you know, we have a whole circuit set up for them, and it it varies because it's like a husband, wife, and daughter, so they're all different levels of training. I've trained, you know, a seven-year-old with his mother once, so it's just that. And most of my equipment I had or I sold and moved up to the other one with just little extra money, so I end up getting top-quality equipment. I probably only bought like three pieces of brand-new equipment.
4: Yeah. So it really, it it was more a matter of opportunity, risk, but not ever compromising the type of training you wanted to execute. And you alluded to it a little bit. um, This isn't, you know, we're not using, you know, old, you know, low quality, broken down equipment. You've got some, a few really high end pieces of equipment that somebody might not expect to see anywhere outside of an LA fitness or, or a big chain gym, correct?
3: Correct. Uh, free motion. I have Star Trek. I have a Helix lateral trainer, um, water water uh, rower, um, art trainer, recumbent bike, a CrossFit bike, boxing bag. I have a vibration platform, um, body, I think it's body Smith or something like that. It's a Smith machine, um, uh, Graviton pull up, it's just a dip, it's several pieces of equipment.
4: Are, are, have you had many people be surprised that they come to an in-home gym, quote unquote, and see the, the level of equipment, the assortment that you have of uh, of things that they might, you know, may have not been expecting to see in such a facility?
3: Pretty much everybody that walks in here is shocked. <laughs> they see their cardio room. That's why I, I bring them into office. I talk to them, ask them about their injuries and all that stuff. And then when they're ready... I take them in a cardio room showing show them that. And they're actually really surprised because of the quality that I have. And then when I opened up the garage door, the three-car garage, I'm like, whoa, this is a legit gym. I said, I never expected this. It's better than the, some of the other gyms. And the beauty of it, too, is that they don't have to wait for anything. I can set everything up. They actually get a better workout when they do it this way.
4: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, when it comes to having the gym attached to your home, uh, were there any downsides, any challenges, uh, logistics, not having your garage be available for parking, zoning issues, anything like that 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 weighed against it? Uh, obviously, ultimately, you're doing it and executing it well. But were there any was there any potential downside that you you had to work around?
3: Um, well. So just to tell you a little bit more, I uh, actually put a mini split in there. I have it air-conditioned, heated. I had to put it all uh, insulated the ceiling in the garage door. So it stays at probably about 76 or, I mean, 65 degrees in there when we are working out. But you're only allowed to have uh, three cars in your driveway. You have a three-car garage, you can only have three cars. And you can only have one car parked out front. You can't advertise, so you have to be careful of that. Uh, so, which I don't have any problem because when I only have one person at a time or three people, but they all ride together and then the next client is out in the street. So nobody, they've never said anything about it. I had to um, send it to the HOA, have it approved you only have a certain amount of square footage uh, in your home used for a business. Uh, you can only have, the reason why I only have my wife is the only people that you can have working in business is somebody that lives at the house.
4: Got it. Got it. So a lot of that was HOA appeasement. Don't want to get in, in hot water with them. So, and, and then, you know, it's it, the frame of reference just to bring it back. It's like, you know, you're, you're in a garage, but you're in an area where it gets hot. So it's not like just open the garage door. If you're in the middle of June, July, August, open the garage door isn't, isn't a good plan uh, for temperature wise. Is it, is there any consideration there with the HOA also, can you have the garage door open when you have people working?
3: So that's a, another thing, too. You're not actually, even if you're not having a, a gym there, you're not even allowed to have your garage door open for a long period of time. There's a lot of rules here. But I just want to tell you another story about one of the first clients I've got. We were actually, it's a, the three people, husband, wife, and daughter. They are actually from England. And most of my clients, the reason why I got most of my clients is because of COVID afraid of going to the gym, and that's how I got most of my clients at first, and they were actually afraid of it, and they wanted me to train them, so actually the first two months, I was training them out in the park, because they wouldn't even go inside my garage for fear of getting COVID, even though there's nobody there, and I clean everything out. It took me three months, and when it got to like 95 degrees out here, well, maybe we'll come in to your garage, (laughs) and then get this, they wanted the garage door halfway open because they're afraid, still afraid of COVID. And then eventually, you know, they got over that fear and then they were, they got to work out in my garage and then they ended up going to the cardio room. So now it's like, Oh, there's no big deal now. Plus you know, everything's going away much now the fear of it, Um, but that's happened with that.
4: Yeah. Okay. So as far as the people you train, you know, you, You clearly, um, you know, your regular general population, uh, standard training, you have that, but you've also got some experience uh, with people who, you know, uh, have different challenges, who have had, you know, any number of things that might make it a little bit of a tougher task for, you know, everyday trainer used to working with general population. So how did you start to go down that road and, you know, how, how has it become sort of something that's, uh, you know,
3: part of your repertoire? So that actually originally started uh, my first location in Ohio. I had some really high-end stuff. I had a $16,000 vibration platform. I had a high-speed treadmill. that did 28 miles an hour with a hoist on it. So I did high-level training for athletes. But I also had a woman contact me because the insurance company would not um, rehabilitate her husband. Uh, anymore they said they can't do anything more for him he actually got hit by a semi in a truck he was hanging upside down by a seatbelt, and somebody said he was dead and he was not dead he was cutting off the blood supply to his house and that actually only happened a mile away from my house oh i didn't even know it and she somehow found me which is really crazy and so this you can picture this guy six foot probably six two sixty five and can't even walk can't even talk, drooling on himself and stuff like that. He was in a wheelchair. And so I put him on that treadmill and I can actually take off. There's a hoist that you wear and I could take off 150 pounds off his body weight. Took that off. He could only walk at 0.1 miles an hour with that. And I had to hold on to him. I got him up to 0.7, not a mile an hour, but he could do it without any assistance, without 150 pounds taken off his weight. There's actually a story on my website about it. He walked around all the pieces of equipment. I'd hold on to him, and he'd I'd have everything set up. And when he got to actually drive his car to my facility and actually uh, captain his boat, which is no <laughs> small feat, a 46-foot Silverton uh, boat, he docked it and everything himself, I ended up giving him my national medal. I run Masters Track and Field, um, and it was one of my national medals that I gave him, uh, that I just had, like I just won like two years before. I think at that time I was 40 something, I got third, fourth and fifth in the United States and the, the 260 in the long jump. So wow. then, and then there's other people I've trained and I'm actually right now I got a lady that actually on Zoom read that article and read that I had, uh, did people with cerebral palsy and all these things and brain damage, which that's what her sister is. She ended up uh, hitting her head on some playground equipment when she was 12, surgeon operated on her, screwed up, and she's been 12 ever since, and she's 47. She weighs 260, and then, so now I have to, I'm doing train, training on Zoom to get her, pump her up on her fin bike, and then showing her different exercises and trying to get her, you know, diet under control slowly, but uh, that's how I get some of those clients, so yeah
4: for sure and you know definitely some unique challenges there but you know as we talked about off the air too is you know some of those some of those things come with rewards that you can't deposit in your bank account but you know a lot of us get into this to uh to a degree to help people and it's it's a really nice side benefit that we can earn a living at it you know i came across a lot of this information just in my research you know through your website and through some some things there and I think it's, it's really good that you as a business owner, um, you took a hands-on approach. You taught yourself through courses, through YouTube, through, you know, Google, whatever it is, uh, building out your website, coming up with the idea for an app, um, doing a lot of your own uh, marketing, a lot of the outward facing things. So at what point, you know, did you have that internal discussion? Like, hey, I want to take ownership of this. I don't want it to be in someone else's hands. And and how do you feel like that's empowered you as a business owner? Uh
3: well, I, I had to do a lot of thinking. And then I just seen about like the website when I build it. I'm like, you know, if I put this in somebody else's hands, I'm gonna be at their mercy the whole time. And you know, it's sometimes it's hard to get a hold of these people. They might not do it right. Um, and I figured, you know I, I need to learn how to do this. It was a long road. I did my own website. I actually have Three websites. I have a link, link tree. I have an online fitness one, um, and then I did the same with my uh, Instagram page. I have links on that, um, and then I had to do the the billing part. Uh, the I use uh, Stripe and I use Square. I had to have that all linked up. Uh, then my app I had to build that all up. Um, so basically, I was just wanted to make sure that I had control of. It's a lot of work. Most people won't even do it. It's It was very time-consuming, and now I got it pretty much dialed in. Um, But that's basically the reason why I went that way. Um, And then the marketing, I'm just working more on that. I didn't really do that much on the online stuff. I was mainly getting my website built for the private uh, personal training, and then I ended up doing that. I actually had that site for over six months. but didn't really do anything with it, and now I'm going full speed ahead on that.
4: Yeah, so you are starting to also take on the task of do the marketing and, and getting that brand awareness out there yourself also? Correct. So what what avenues are you attacking first with that? Where do you feel like the best ROI for your time and effort is
3: going to be? So I uh, have different ones. I've done Google uh, ads um, in my app. I've put them on uh, Instagram. I need to do more uh, videos. Uh, I have my wife in a lot of the videos, so I need to actually post more uh, weekly videos on Instagram um, and do just like one package instead of... I was actually spreading myself too thin is what I was doing. I was advertising too many different things, so now I'm more just advertising two or three main uh, bullet points uh, of what my fitness training packages are, um, and then... uh, trying to think what else I was doing on that that's pretty much it. just trying to get it down like that I got somebody working on a funnel program for me right now but that's going to be a couple of months from now get that done
4: yeah okay so as you continue to you know we're about three years or so into, into this iteration of the business uh, you have your in-person you have your online and with the online stuff you've even gone so far as to have um, take part in developing an app having some different things linked together. Um, is that something where you find that the biggest, uh, the biggest value in that is showing an, an extra degree of professionalism with the clients? Is it systemizing and, and automating some things to make it easier for you to scale? What were the, the big factors in that app development for you?
3: Um, I think the most important thing is accountability. So I can, I can send them the workouts and the diet plan and the meal plan. They can actually modify it on the on way. They can use my fitness pal that will actually task, attach into it. Um, and I can see every time they do something, uh, if they're doing it correctly or something like that, and I can communicate with them and say, hey, you, know, you ate too much fat for breakfast and stuff like that. You need a bump of your protein need to eat another meal, you know, how come you didn't eat, you know, this many calories, you know, I'm on them constantly when they first sign up, because uh, most people don't know how to do that. stuff. So they don't know how many calories they're supposed to have, how many grams, of macros and all that, and I end up teaching them, it usually takes them, you know, probably about three weeks before they start getting it to, into the head, and they start thinking this part about uh, wise choices, and then same with the exercise, I can see their weights, what exercises they did, If they decide they can't do a certain exercise they can pick another exercise or uh, they'll ask me hey you know do you think this is good and then i'll send them back in the chat what i think would actually be better than their eating or exercise or if they have an injury so i'm on them the whole time that's probably the most important thing is that the accountability factor
4: yeah and with the the online training a lot of people are gravitating towards it because it's convenient for clients. There's a lot of upside for them. As a business owner, it lets you scale a geographic reach that you might not normally be able to. It logistically allows a lot more growth um, for time effort. Uh, so I know that that you are looking to grow and scale that. As far as your in-person business, um, is that something where are you maxed out? Are you still looking you know, can you grow that at all? Or is the online more of an offshoot of, of getting close to capacity or in-person?
3: Uh, so in-person, in it, it you know, it fluctuates. Most people know that. So, you know, depending on the season of the year or like, you know, people are starting to freak out about, you know, the war and all this stuff with the gas prices, they might be looking at their pocketbook more and saying, hey, you know, I don't know if I can afford doing, you know, these sessions. And I've actually made a package that was, used to only have 10 sessions. Now I have 30 sessions and they save $10 per session. So I got like four people that signed up immediately with that. So that was a good thing. I can take more people. I'm looking forward to that, but I wanted to get my online business up. But then I also have people like the Zoom Fitness. I had a guy sign up the other day um, that had a trainer that just basically didn't watch him, just took his money. And uh, within five minutes, he knew what he was going to value. But what the thing is with that is that he wants me to, you know, do the Zoom fitness. I have Zoom fitness, and then I have the app and the um, exercise routines like that, so they can do that. But he wants to do both, so that when he can't do the Zoom or he's somewhere else, he's at a gym, he doesn't want to break out his phone or something like that. He can just look at his app, and he doesn't have to worry about you know talking to somebody. And then for the nutritional part of it, so I have people doing both. So really, it's it's
4: three three main services that you're able to offer: the in-person one-on-one physical training, the the training over Zoom where you're actually supervising and, and interacting with somebody, and then the other level. And, and these can they can overlap and complement each other. The other one being they can get app-based training that they can do at their convenience, their timing, and interact with you. But it, it doesn't marry either one of you to a schedule or, you know, actual live interactive coaching.
3: Correct. Exactly.
4: All right, cool. So what's the, what's the ultimate end game? Is there, is there a capacity for you? Is there a long-term goal of what you want the business to be? Or is, are you still in the process of figuring out, Hey, this is the limit to my scale or, uh, you know, will I have to bring on other people to help me? Is there, do you have any, uh, you know, short term, long term vision for what you want my fitness answer to be
3: as it develops? Hey, so currently, right now, I actually work seven days a week. So that's a lot. Uh, <laughs> and my hours on Saturday and Sunday are seven to one. So I'm trying to keep it to that. But I'm trying to shoot for, I don't know, 40, 50 hours, possibly of private training studios, hours, And then, online um, so that so the 40 to 50 hours could include the zoom trainings because that's going to take up an hour It actually does a 45 minute session and then whatever time I have left I would want to dedicate to the online app so I really want to bump up the online app uh, part of it and try to get to where I'm like it you know you know my golden goose would be to, uh, 10 to 20 thousand dollars a month
4: Got it. Got it. So this is something where, um, you know, you're not putting any artificial limits on yourself. It's just a matter of stair-stepping. Where's my trade-off for time hours, work-life balance, but also being able to impact as many people as you can and, and scale the business to whatever that level is going to be. Um, that doesn't require you to be 24-7, 365.
3: Exactly. Yeah. Because that's what was killing me when I was doing it. Uh, back in the day when I was doing 65 hours. I mean, there was one point where I actually did 16 trainings back to back. Wow. I actually end up, um, and I know about your readers, but I actually ended up asking somebody about what should I do because I wanted to get a, a burger, the biggest, sloppiest burger I could get. And somebody talked me into this veggie burger, which was actually really awesome. But I ended up getting a, and I don't hardly ever drink at all, but I end up getting a shot of tequila uh, that night. <laughs> and some some guy ended up giving me this big tumbler of uh, probably about 12 ounces I was done
4: (laughs) yeah I mean after 16 sessions back to back I feel like all bets are off at a certain point but (laughs) you know it looks like you're going in the right direction Um, last question for you a little bit philosophical here Um, is there anything that You wish you could go back, tell your younger self something that you you wish you knew sooner um, about where you'd end up, how you would do things. Is there anything that stands out for you that you'd love to go and and tap younger Steve on the shoulder and say, hey, you should know this?
3: Yeah, so I actually had one of my clients. He actually does advertising for me. He does really good. He's on my logo and all that stuff. And he told me, he says, don't start too big. And that's what I actually did. I started too big. And I wish it would have started smaller and worked up um, because then that's when I had that, you know, that big nut that had a crack at $150,000 of equipment and then had that 3,600 uh, square foot with $3,600 a month on top of that. And I had, you know, this is back when I had the sunless tanning, spray tan, that booth wow. cost me $30,000 just for that booth. So um, he, he was right. <laughs> and that's what I would say to people to start slow. And, you know, just look, plan everything out. I I think that's
4: wise advice. And it, sometimes you can, it's easy to dream big and I don't ever tell anybody to necessarily, you know, not think it, but it's good to have that big goal, but make, make sure that you don't take on so much that it's a stressor for you. Right. We get in this to help people to enjoy the process, get the rewards that we come with. So you know, yeah, don't, don't take on more, you know, so much so that you're, you're struggling because it'll, I think it'll translate to the service custom, you know, their clients will see it and it it really takes a lot of the joy out of the business.
3: Exactly. All
4: right, Steve. Well, we are uh, just about officially out of time. Last question before we let you go. If our listeners want to find you find out more about my fitness answer, where's the best place to look for you?
3: So the best place would just go to my website. MyFitnessAnswer.com you can scroll through that whole it's a pretty long site, it shows all of our products, services, that tells all about myself and my wife our our skills and uh, what we've trained Um, and at the top of the the webpage there's actually a a link that goes to the online fitness training and you can see all the different packages there, there's a 12 week body transformation challenge, there's several things, there's recipe books, all that stuff right there so MyFitnessAnswer.com
4: yeah, tons tons of great info on there. Great, um, great example of some you know some online e-commerce added into that. All the different different things that um, you know that that trainers out there looking to grow and scale. Even if maybe you're not looking to be a client of Steve's, but just uh, see some of his examples. There's there's some really good stuff there. Yeah, so check out myfitnessanswer.com. Steve, it's been a pleasure having you. I really appreciate you spending some time with us this morning. I wish you continued success, sir.
3: I appreciate it. Thank you, Dominic.
4: You're, you're very welcome. And to everyone out there listening, as always, we appreciate you. We wouldn't be here without you listening. We hope you found value and inspiration in this episode. If you'd like to hear more, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button. We'll notify you when new episodes drop. To everyone out there in Jim Ward's Nation, keep working hard. Keep changing lives. Jim Ward's. Thank you for listening
0: to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors.
5: What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. My name is Bree. I will be your host today, and I'm here with Sarah from All Outdoors Fitness in Stewart, Florida. What's up, Sarah? How are you today?
6: I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me here today.
5: Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. All right. So let's jump right into the details here. How did you get started? What is it that made you want to own your own gym?
6: yeah so we are very new so i just want to start with that so we just opened doors january 17th of this year so we're not even two and a half months old so we're a little baby business um it's all in the it's like i guess you can say it's still in the honeymoon stage everything is very exciting all very new um i grew up an athlete so i guess just going now back in time a little bit i grew up a competitive athlete um focused more on volleyball even though i did a couple other things and I brought it to the professional level. I went over to overseas in Germany. While I was over there, I, I realized that outdoor fitness was so popular. And everyone embraced the outdoor community. I grew up in Florida. Um, it's something that I saw it was doing well over there. And it didn't exist over in Florida. So I had some, some inspiration over there. had some experience over there. And I wanted to bring that outdoor fitness community and lifestyle to my hometown, which is Stuart, Florida. Um so that's basically a little bit of of how it the idea came to life about a year ago, and then was able to work on the idea, cultivate it, and then now officially launch um, just just this year.
5: That's awesome. Okay. Cool. So your business model, your design is all, outdoors or completely okay
6: yep so it is yeah it's not a hybrid model i know that is sometimes where you have maybe part of a gym and there's maybe a little bit of an outdoor space but we are fully operational all outside um and it's fully equipped so it's not like you're feeling like you're just in a backyard with maybe one dumbbell it is it is still a fully functional outdoor fitness space. Um, and it's, it's has a very tropical vibe. We're here in Florida. It's, we really made the space extremely aesthetic um, because mm-hmm. that is one of the biggest um, differences from any other traditional gym setup is the physical space itself.
5: Right. Wow. That's so cool. Okay. So now what is your business model itself look like how are you structuring things are you offering group classes private sessions semi-privates what does all of that look like
6: Mm -hmm. yeah so i wanted to really make it personal um it is small group classes that is the main offering i wanted it to try to simulate basically how i grew up training my whole life which was in my small teams of probably no more than 12 maybe we are a little bit higher in, in the collegiate level um, but very small, and that's how I grew up training. And when I stopped playing volleyball, and I would go into these massive group classes, I even as like a recent athlete, I got super overwhelmed, and I was almost like, "Oh, am I doing things right?" I'm kind of, uh, I was just very intimidated, and mm-hmm. I wanted to bring much of a more personalized, small group class that I could feel like we are training like a strong team in each class. Mm-hmm. Um, so. With that being said, we have small group classes, no more than 10 people. That's the main, I would say, offering. I do have one on one. So if if people aren't ready to jump into that, still group class, still can still be intimidating for some people's level if they're not there yet. I do offer one on one trainings, and I'm also doing sport performance. So I do have some one on one um, athletes that I'm working with from volleyball players, basketball, tennis. Um, I'll have a lacrosse player, which will be my first one coming up in April. Um, so yeah, that would be like the breakdown from small group classes, one-on-one and sport performance.
5: Got it. Okay, cool. So now how many members or clients are you serving overall?
6: So um, yes, again, baby business. So yes, we are, <laughs> we are 20 members strong right now. So we're 20 members for the group classes. Um, okay. I've, that's, that's basically basically 20 members being the reoccurring monthly subscription. And then I do have pack options. So you can buy like a six class pack or 10 class pack. And I have sold about 12 of those. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in terms of my one-on-one clients, I'm about between the sport performance and just one-on-one adults, five. So, yeah, so it's it's growing. It's getting there Um, in the first two and a half months.
5: (laughs) Absolutely. And how were you able to acquire those clients over the last two months? Has that been organically kind of through word of mouth referral based, or are you doing any type of advertising at all? How have you acquired those clients? And then how do you plan to acquire more?
6: Mm -hmm. I would say I, I have dabbled in a little bit of, I have spent a bit on marketing. Um, just, a, I would say the bulk of the members came through word of mouth. So that was really the, the core that has now been here. It has, has been through referral basis or even starting with friends and then friends of friends. And now they're bringing. Uh, so it's been a little bit of, uh, it's, a, it's a small town. So I think that was how we initially got started. Um, mm-hmm. I have now gone into testing with Instagram ads and Facebook. Some Google ads as well. Um, not a massive conversion there. I would say it got a lot of traction onto the page and onto the website and it, not a great conversion, honestly. So I would say my, I guess, best performing has been definitely the word of mouth and referral base. As mm-hmm. of right now, I know as, as it starts to grow and get more and more, I need to go a little bit harder into into the marketing and trying to get, uh, or converting, I guess you can say those leads through the online channels. Um, but yeah, I would, to answer your question, word of mouth has been the strongest for me so far.
5: Okay. And when you are running ads on Instagram, Facebook, Google, what kind of offers are you running? What is it that's grabbing people's attention and making them want to come into the gym? or come mm-hmm. to the
6: gym rather, not necessarily into the gym. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's always <laughs> funny. Um, so I would say what I was trying to strategize is what I think is the USP is the basically the space itself. So it is so different. It doesn't exist here in at least our town and the city that we're in. It is the, the outdoor tropical um, space that we have. And so when I was running those, I was doing a lot of video and um, photo uh, ads. is what I was doing and showing the space and showing that it was still a a small group setting. Um, And I think really going and digging deep into that, the actual physical place. And that's Mm -hmm. what was gonna be, what was gonna grab the attention because people are gonna be like, what is this new place? It it is a little bit of a a niche being outdoor. So, trying to kind of target those people that either one really love the outdoors and they prefer an outdoor gym rather than going into a gym, um, or two the people that could benefit from being outdoors more. We spend so much time inside, and it, it for even forty five minutes to an hour to be outside like that can do so much for for not of course. Your- working out and you're getting physically fit but mentally just to get stimulated by the fresh air and the sun um Mm -hmm. so really going into uh the outdoor benefits is what i was trying to convey in some of those online um ads that i was doing
5: yeah yeah absolutely and when somebody does show interest in becoming a member how do they come in on their first day? Is it for like a trial or like a free class or how how are they coming in initially?
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, first free class. So I do want to, um, I offered up in the very beginning because it is something that you got to try it before if you know if it's something for you. Um, also kind of feeling me out as a coach, like do, do, do I resonate with that with the client like are we going to be able to work together um, so I, I do want to be I want to offer that someone can come in have that first workout that first class see if it's something that I can help them w- with reaching their their fitness goals um, and then they can see the format the layout and if it even if it's what they're looking for so I really want to be able to offer that first free class for them see if it's a fit for both sides. And then from that point on, we can look at is a membership the best way to go? Do they want to pack if they don't want to feel too tied down anything? Um, so yeah, that would be then the, the steps for the member or the client.
5: Yeah. Okay. And for the memberships that you do offer, are those 12 month memberships, six month memberships? Are they month to month? How do you structure the reoccurring memberships?
6: Mm-hmm. So, I am a big proponent of not trying to tie people down. So, month to month, no string attached. I want people to feel like they can, if they need to, they can stop it at any point. Like, I do not want to feel, give them that pressure of tying them down to six months to a year. What I ideally want is to, we're going to figure out their goals, and I want to be on that journey with them as long as possible to be able to hit it. But I don't want them to feel like they're just trapped there are so many gyms I feel like in, in my opinion um that are trapping people and it can just they end up just not going anyways and I want to have a good relationship I want to have a very person-to-person relationship and and I think it needs to give that flexibility um so I'm month-to-month no string detached they can stop at any time with of course the end goal still to to Be on that journey as long as we can um, until they feel and hit their goals.
5: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's so funny. There's like two sides to that, you know. Like (laughs) it's either like there's they're month to month, and we don't want to tie them down, or it's like they need to be committed to actually reach their goals. Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. So there's like two there's two sides to it, and for myself, it's like. As far as serving the clients, it's like I'm somewhere in the middle, I guess. But when I was in my facility, I did month to month for a little bit and I hated it because on a just from a business standpoint, trying to see what you've got coming in on a monthly basis, it makes it Mm -hmm. a little bit more challenging, you know, and obviously if, if retention isn't an issue and these people are sticking around for long periods of time, then it's not so much of an issue, but you know, when you do have people who are just coming in for a month and then they're out of town or they're here or they're there, and it just makes it really hard to track revenue and, and look at what Mm -hmm. you've got coming in on a monthly basis. So that was something that I personally found challenging. And I, Mm -hmm. I offered a month to month for like three months. And then I was like, no, I can't do this. We're not doing it it anymore. That's just too Mm -hmm. much to track of, you know? So it was just, it was easier to just get people committed. And obviously then you, you do need to make sure, and this is a really important point that the level of service is there, the value is there continuously, mm-hmm. you know, it's not something that people are just signing up for, and then, you know, not getting the value that they signed up for originally, I mm-hmm. think that that happens a lot in, um, in some gyms, and it kind of puts a bad taste in people's mouths, because then it's like, you know, you don't want, fe- you don't want people to feel that way at your facility. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hear that a lot, you know, it's like either month to month, I don't want people trapped or it's like, wait, no, I need them to be here because I need to be able to predict growth, you know, for the
6: business. So, Yeah.
5: And I mean, obviously results are are the number one driver here. We want our our clients to get the best results possible, but yeah, it can be, it can be challenging.
6: For sure. And I guess that's something too, that I'm being so new. I want to have open ears. Like I'm trying to Mm -hmm. be so open and I want to be talking to the, to the current members and maybe that's something that we could end up going to as well. Um, I think right now I I do want to be a sponge and I want to be taking feedback from, from everyone and to maybe obviously implement it, not just listen to it and say, thank you, but really like (laughs) really actively listening. And maybe that could be something that will be adjusted. Um, But right now that's what I guess we'll be uh, starting with.
5: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's good though, that, you know, you are, um, open ears, because Mm -hmm. a lot of times, even just coming into the business, we decide like, this is the way it's going to be. And then sometimes it doesn't always work. Not to say that what you're doing isn't working or isn't going to work, but a lot of people get into that mindset. Like I'm doing it this way. This is the way that it's going to be. And they're not willing to change at all. And they're Mm -hmm. not willing to listen to their members, or they're not willing to listen to other people that have been there before, or, you know, and they're just like, Nope. We're going to do it this way. And, yeah. then it work. and then it's like too late. And it's like, man,
3: um, right, so right. That's
5: good, but, you know, you're, you're open ears. Um, mm-hmm. so now what does your, where are you, where are you looking to take this thing? Like, what are your goals? What are your main focuses for this year? Um, mm-hmm. what are you, what are you trying to do overall? I, I guess.
6: Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, the, the overall mission of All Outdoors is to help people feel their their best physically and mentally. So that's like the core mission that I'm trying to accomplish with All Outdoors. And right now, um, it is more focused on the workouts. So that is, they're coming in for their 45 to 50-minute workouts. We have a variety of different classes. Um, but with that end goal, or I guess in the next year, I do, of course, want to be growing the members to my goal is about. I would say 50 members by, by December um, or going into the next year. Um, I want to start to offer regular yoga classes. So I think complementing the workouts with regular yoga classes, that's something that I really want to do because I think that's the 360 full that everyone can benefit from to help physically and mentally. I want to be able to offer yoga classes and potentially get into more of like a mobile um so currently right now on Saturdays we are meeting in either parks beaches to kind of even get out of the space and just mm-hmm. embracing different parts of our city um, outside of course and maybe going into that a little bit deeper so potentially getting this again is a, something to vision um, but basically a van set up that we're able Mm -hmm. then to go and bring the full equipment. Cause right now it's a little hard. Um, I can put some stuff in my car, but I can't bring everything. So maybe going into where I'm able to bring a full setup that I can then put into parks or beaches and have really amazing, great outdoor park type workouts um, as well as having our say home base or like the headquarters as in our space right now. So having Mm -hmm. basically the split. Um, I can see this being really cool um, and really community-driven, being able to then set up in different parts, in different areas, not only just staying in, in our little uh, 1,200 square foot space, um, so yeah. then branching out, getting a little bit mobile, but still embracing the outdoors. Uh, this is where I would love to, to take it.
5: Yeah, absolutely. That would be awesome. I mean, that sounds so great. The the building itself or the area that you're normally in sounds really cool. Um, So yeah, that would be amazing to even take it outside of that and get into parks and beaches and Mm -hmm. things like that. And just that really separates you from a lot of other places, you know,
6: so that's very
5: cool. Um, What do you do like when there's bad weather? Does your, (laughs) does your space outdoors have some type of roof or covering or, How does
6: that work? Yeah, that's a a very common question. Um, So for Florida, one of the other, we're in South Florida as well. So anyone that's not familiar with Stuart, Florida, it is South Florida. So it's, we hardly have winters. (laughs) Um, Our winters are cold fronts. Um, So with that being said, there is then the rain that we're dealing with. So yeah that is something that right now it's perfect we have really i have only had to cancel i think one class so far um yeah. moving forward it is a little rain when it's like that misty rain we're going through it like those i call my warrior workouts like you're just going to get a little wet it's florida it's hot it probably feels good um right. the days that it is like those torrential downpours yes i have to pull the plug and say okay we 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 have to cancel this class no one gets penalized um you're able to keep your class if you already reserved it um in basically for the future, we are going to, we haven't installed them yet, but we are going to get um, a bit of overhead coverage, but I still want mm-hmm. it to be very aesthetically pleasing. I don't want to just put a roof over our head. It's going to be, yeah. um, they're called sunshade sails basically. So they're like those little triangle pieces that you can, yeah. um, okay. they're still breathable. Yeah, they're a little hard to just explain, but it is going to allow a bit of overhead coverage with still feeling open. Um, mm-hmm. So this is gonna be that we'll, we will set up probably in the next month or so, which really helps with the sun. So that is gonna be able to provide a little bit of shade um, as well as then helping with some of that rain that if it is not a torrential downpour, we will still be able to get then a full um, workout under those as well. So right. a couple of little things that we'll be adding, um, but uh, yeah, that's how, that's how we'll be.
5: Okay, cool. Yeah, that was like the first thing that I thought about is the torrential downpours because I know sometimes it gets a little little crazy with the rain. So I was like, "Hmm, I wonder how that works. So, all
3: right.
6: Well,
5: I mean, you got it figured out. So um, now one thing that I always love to ask every gym owner that I speak with is if you could provide a piece of advice to somebody who is considering going their own way, doing their own thing, opening their own gym, what would that be? Um, mm-hmm. And I know this is still something that's a little bit newer for you, but even mm-hmm. like the biggest thing that stood out to you along the way throughout your journey or, or the biggest thing that you've learned
6: mm-hmm. uh, thus far. Ooh, I could feel like I could take that many different ways. Yeah. Um, but I, <laughs> I think I don't want this, this to sound cliche either, but I think it really has to be what is to be prepared, is to have a plan. Um that's like really so fundamental and basic, but it's it's so crucial. And I really feel like I've stepped like stuck with my plan that I had. Um, I was able to start this even while still living in Germany. So I what I took three months to be able to plan all this. I really I went through a full business plan, like 20 pages. I, I don't think anyone even looked at it, but it was for me to like just gather my thoughts put it all down, I did my market research, I leveraged technology um, in terms of trying to keep the cost as low as possible in terms of website and software. So really like all those, those maybe not the most exciting thing, because of course you're thinking about the workouts and uh, all the fun stuff, right. it's, it's more the backend things and really having the plan, sticking with the plan and leveraging technology again, um, I think is the biggest learnings that any gym owner going forward, like they really have to embrace it. And even, yeah, even as little as who's in the area, like how am I, how are you gonna fit in that area? Like what makes you different? Um, and, and just digging deep into that and um, being prepared and giving yourself enough time from doing that research to then implementing and launching. Um, not rushing it. So not skipping the boring stuff mm-hmm. to get to the fun stuff. Uh, I think that would be the the biggest advice that I would give any gym owner moving forward.
5: Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic advice because there are so many, it's like, sometimes it happens You're your personal trainer and you've built up uh a, a pretty good client base and then everybody's like you should just do your own thing you should open your own place and you're all like excited about it and like mm-hmm. you said the fun stuff the training the people the things that you love to do you know and then a lot yeah. of people just end up jumping into it and then all of these things come up along the way and they're like wait a minute
3: I didn't think <laughs>
5: happened or I didn't know this was a thing or you know so really kind of stepping back and doing the boring work like you said initially mm-hmm. to set yourself up for success is
6: huge. yeah no. Yeah, definitely. It makes for smooth sailing. Um, as I mean, of course there's going to be a couple little yeah. waves and a little <laughs> bumps, but at least it sets it in the right direction, um, rather than just jumping in there and then it can blow up in your face so fast.
5: Right? Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Okay. So as we start to wrap up, where can the listeners find you on social media?
6: Yeah. Um, on Instagram, it's just at all outdoors fitness, all one word. Um, I think that would be the best way to go on Instagram that way. Then you'll be able to get to the website, but those are the two best ways to see the vibe at all outdoors and to see if, um, yeah, if that's something that you, if you're ever in Stuart, Florida, to come check out and, uh, join us.
5: Absolutely. Awesome. Love that. So Sarah from all outdoors fitness in Stuart, Florida. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. It's been so great having you on the show.
6: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
5: Absolutely. And to all the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you'll be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, keep killing it out there and we will catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out.